Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. Are you prepared for the end of year in terms of your financial planning, your taxes? Are you doing all the things that you can to take advantage of tax laws? Um, Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that maybe you don't know. I know I don't know it. I'm going to see if we can't learn some of those things today. My guest is Bobby Batia. He is the managing director of Doyle, Schultz, and Batia, who are uh, an accountant firm. And um, Bobby, welcome to Of Consuming Interest. Thank you, Shirley, and, and you, you knocked it out of the park on my last name. Oh, thank you. All right, so here we go. Let's just start off and talking about some of the common things that people are used to doing and planning before the end of the year. Let's like making contributions to your favorite charities. Are those rules the same they've always been? Are there differences? What do our listeners need to know? So for, for tax year 2021, there is no limitation on how much you can contribute to charitable, contrib- uh, charitable organizations. Um, you, uh, to the listeners out there, you can go crazy, start donating money and um, not having to worry about any kind of limitation. In the past, you were limited to how much money you were making and you could only donate on a certain percentage of that. For 2021, it is 100%. Well, now, wait, 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 let me just clarify this. What does that mean in terms of a deduction from a taxes? So um, let's say you donate $10,000 and your okay. tax rate is 25%. Uh, you are basically saving $2,500 in taxes by donating $10,000. So, um, and, there, and there's a... Uh, a li- is there a limit on how much I, you're saying there's no limit on how much I can claim that I donated? There's, yeah, in 2021, there is, um, there's no limit. And that means that I will be able to give $100,000 and claim $100,000 deductible from my insurance, from my taxes? That's correct. And if my tax in taxable income rate is 25%. So I would say that would be $25,000 that would have been taken off my taxes. Correct. Correct. Wow. That is very different. Is that to the advantage of the consumer? I mean, I'm, that's, that's very different. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, it's actually great. You're, you're helping out a cause and oh, you're yeah. out your own pocket. So right. it's a win-win. Well, it sounds to me like it is. I mean, I, I wasn't aware of it to tell you the truth, but then I don't know that much about taxes. So, um, but that does sound like, well, that's particularly sounds like it's a win for the, the, the charities that we would be donating to. Now, what kind of records do we need to keep in case the IRS decides to come back and say, well, now, Shirley, did you really donate $100,000? That's a great question. So um, w- when you actually donate, to these 501c3 organizations, they are um, supposed to give you some sort of receipt or letter stating thank you for donating $10,000 on this date or in this tax year. So that that letter or that receipt should provide enough proof in case the IRS comes, comes at you and says, prove it. Okay. So keep it, make sure that you get it. 
that is an essential part and make sure that all the lines and things I would think on the form itself are completed so that if you do need it as support. Now, how many years do we need to keep information like that? Three, five, seven, what is generally, the- Generally seven years. Seven years, so keep all that information. That's gonna take a big room. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know my my husband's very good about keeping tax information. So well, th thankfully, you can scan everything and, and store it in the cloud if you're tech savvy. Yeah, you know that that's that's a good point. We don't have to keep so much paper anymore, do we? It does make it different, but we need to make sure it's secure if it's online. Sure. Uh, okay. Now, so we've gotten we've got this. Um, greater flexibility in terms of donating to charities. And that's something that needs to be done. Does that need to be done by the end of the taxable year or do we still have some leeway time before we have to file our taxes? Uh, by the end of the year. So it is, that's something that, I mean, there are some things that, that I think that don't have to be done in the year in order to apply to your taxes and we'll get to that. But, but this, if you're making a donation to a charity, then just to be clear, you can make a huge donation and take an exemption. I mean, take a credit for all of it. There's no limit. Yeah. Have proof, get that proof, make sure you keep it and make sure it is complete form. Um, and that we've got to make sure that also that it's 501c3, correct? Correct. Don't don't go to your neighbor and give them 10,000 and say, give me a receipt. <laughs> got to go to a 501c3 um, registered with the IRS. You can give him ten. You can give him ten thousand, but you don't get a deduction. He gets the money. He doesn't have to pay taxes on it, right? That's right, because it's under the gift limit. Um, the gift limit. The gift limit is still fifteen thousand dollars per per yeah. person per donor. Correct. Or giver. Yeah. Uh, don't quote me on the fifteen thousand because it always goes up a little. But I do think um, it is fifteen thousand for twenty twenty one. Yeah, that's what I had read somewhere that it was still that amount. Yeah, it is fifteen thousand. Uh, Luckily, Google answers really quick. So yes, it's fifteen thousand. Um, and the person that's receiving it does not have to declare it as taxable income. That's correct. Okay, but I have got to pay taxes on it before I donate it to that person. So okay, well that sounds you know at least it's nice that we can give money to relatives and friends and to people that we feel deserve it. Um, yeah, and, and one suggestion for all the listeners is, and this happens in the Batia household every year, um, right around um, the last couple of weeks in December, we just walk around the house with trash bags and um, or, or you know tote bags, and we gather stuff that we want to donate, uh, and and just keep piling it on these bags and drive it over to Goodwill. Oh yeah, Salvation Army, they give you a receipt. You need to be fair and reasonable in what the you estimate the fair market value of these these items that you're donating but you know that always gets you a nice little tax deduction as well if you as item. a matter of fact my husband and I were just discussing this because I've made significant contributions I have been my goal during this pandemic to get every closet in my house cleaned out yeah that's a great idea experience Bobby I can tell you However, it's a liberating feeling, but we donated a ton of stuff to the Salvation Army and to Goodwill yeah. and yeah. Uh, kept detailed records of what it was. But how do you estimate the value of something that you're donating? I mean, that to me is the tricky thing. Yeah, I mean, um, thankfully, everything uh, because of Amazon and all these other e-commerce websites, you can, you know, let's say you find a, um, let's just say a dartboard in your basement. 
um, you know, stuffed in boxes and, and you say, okay, well, I bought this three years ago. Let me go see what the fair market value of a similar dartboard is today. And what you should do is you should take some value off of whatever you find online, because obviously whatever you're buying online is most of the times brand new. Um, but you've had this for three years. So you, you take maybe five years, um, a, a life of a, a, any given dartboard, and you say, I'll depreciate three years off of that. And that's the current going rate fair market value of this dartboard that I just found. And you take it over to the um, Salvation Army. They, they, they normally just give you an empty receipt, you know, no value on it, just a date that thanks for bringing it on December 27th, right? Um, but you, like you said, you and your husband keep really good records. And that's key because this is a uh, very sensitive area with the IRS. If you get, there's some hot points um, on what they like to come after taxpayers for. Okay, let's, let's just take a brief pause here and we're gonna come back and pick up that at that point, okay? You're listening to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. You're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest here on the Federal News Network. My guest is Bobby Batia. He is the managing director of Doyle, Schultz, and Batia. They, an accountant firm, and I should reveal they are Call for Actions accounting firm. Although you all don't give me any break for all this, Bobby, let me tell you. But anyway, I just want to let people know that, that you are our accounting firm and you all have been for many years. Anyway, let's go back now to how you determine value of things that are contributed. Yeah, I was just saying that uh, they, that the IRS actually, um, th there's some hot points on what they like to audit taxpayers on. One is if you go a little crazy on what you value your uh, non-cash contribution items, you know, if you, if you take an old item that you found in your attic or your basement and you think it's worth $2,000, but it's truly worth 200, you know, you, you just have to be very reasonable. You have to document how you came up with that valuation. Um, so, well, now let's suppose that you look at it and you say that you that you think that if you were purchasing it, it would be, let's say $200. What percentage of that $200 can you deduct from your taxes or can you deduct the whole 200? Well, if, if the fair market value of that item, Shirley, is $200 at the time you're contributing it to Goodwill or Salvation Army, um, you get a $200 tax deduction if you're itemizing, right? Um, okay. That $200, again, goes back to the, the example of if your tax rate is 25%. Okay, gotcha. You save, you know, 25% of 200, which is $50 in taxes, tax dollars. Okay, but now when I'm reporting it to the IRS, and I make this itemized list because yes, you're right. They don't, they do not give you an itemized list of anything that you're donating. You just get a blank form. But as I said, I keep a record of everything that we donate. So I mean, item by item, whether it's a sweater or a jacket, a pair of shoes or whatever. Um, now, I, I, I still am not clear, Bobby, and I apologize. So this, you're telling me that what we can do is to take what we think is the fair market value of that item if it were being sold today and put that down as the value. And then when we are doing the taxes, of course, the tax rate on that will be a 25% exemption. Is that, do I understand that or am I totally off base? No, you're, you're, you're on point, um, except that 25% is not a standard. 
exemption or standard tax. No, that's the, that's a, let's say that's the tax rate. We're, I'm sure it's more than that. I don't know. Right, it's probably right. 40, 40, 100. Well, who knows? I'm kidding. I, I <laughs> no, don't know what our tax Yes, you're, you're right. So on these IRS forms, it's a form 8283 where, where you disclose what you donated, um, you know, the non-cash items. You have to actually disclose not only the fair market value, but the cost basis, meaning how much you paid for that asset. So if you think it's worth 200 three years later after you purchased it, you have to disclose how much you actually purchased it for. And if you put $500, the IRS wants to know that. That's rather complicated. It, it, it is, um, but it all starts with, so for, for our clients, if, you know, if a client came to us and said, I donated $10,000 worth of items, we, we tell the client, listen, we will roll with what you're giving us, but we need to review how you came up with this valuation. Um, we need to make sure there's a reason why, A, because we're, we're covering ourselves um, and we're making sure we're doing the return correctly. But we also want you to have good records because when the IRS comes knocking, they're going to come after your records. And um, we just want to make sure you have the correct records and everything is reasonable. Yeah. Okay, well, um, we can only show and prove what we've got, right? That's so itemizing is the big, the big thing here. Okay, let's talk about some of the other ways that we can reduce our tax load um, legally. And, and in addition to um, our charitable donations, whether that be money or goods, uh, are services ever donatable, uh, deductible? I mean, if you do something that has a value for somebody, is that a deductible? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're providing a service to um, a, let's say a charitable donation, um, you can take a deduction for it if they, if they give you a value of what you- A value of that service, I see. Service, correct. So you need to get something from the, whatever you're contributing your time or sure. whatever uh, from that organization to substantiate your, your claim about the deduction. Sure. And now keep okay. in mind, I'm gonna kind of steer away from the charitable discussion, but I'm gonna go into, this all comes into play only if you're itemizing. Right, now, right. Now the standard deductions uh, a year ago, a couple of years ago went up and they're significantly higher than they have been historically. So. Uh, a lot of people uh, spend a lot of time throughout the year gathering all their receipts and keeping track of how much they're donating. And, you know, first of all, when you donate, um, you know, I, I would say that you shouldn't have a, uh, a tax um, agenda behind your donations, right? So, no, I mean, I don't. Do, I give it because I want somebody else to be able to share it. Correct, correct. So, but in case you do have an agenda behind giving, um, to charitable organizations, which some people do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you do, you know, just know that if you're going to end up getting a standard deduction at the end, maybe think twice before you donate. But, you know, again, goes back to that discussion, should you donate based on taxes or not? That's up okay, to- Okay, now, now tell me about this standard deduction. What, when would I know whether or not I want to itemize all of the things that I'm giving and donating, how would, I, I don't quite understand it. I'll be perfectly honest with you, Bobby. That's okay. So in 2021, let's say you are a, uh, 
married filing joint return. Um, okay. You're going to get your standard deduction, 25,100. So the IRS says 25,100 is going to be a, just a standard deduction on your tax return. Now, if you have- So everybody gets that. Everyone gets it if you're fi married filing joint. Okay. If you're single, you only get 12,550, which is half of the amount that I mentioned earlier. So let's let's go with the married couple um, example. If you're married, you're filing joint, you get a $25,100 tax deduction, which is called the standard deduction. Now, if you have a mortgage interest, you pay real estate taxes, you donate to charitable organizations, um, you have, let's say, medical expenses, you know, various uh, itemized deductions that are, that are listed on Schedule A, which is an IRS form, uh -huh. and you exceed the 25,100. So let's say you end up getting $26,000 in total deductions if you itemize. So okay. rather than taking the 25,100, you get to take 26,000. But okay. if you ended up totaling 24,000, well, why would you itemize? Let's go with the standard deduction. The 25,000. Right. How, how, how much has it been in the past? Oh, in the past, surely it was almost half. Oh, really? So there is some incentive there for us to just take a standard deduction and let it go. Unless you, unless you're, unless all of these things, as you said, put together, exceed $25,000 for a married couple filing jointly. That's There's correct. no need to go through all that paperwork. There isn't. And, um, you know, it's, it's saved a lot of time for CPAs when we're preparing tax returns. It's also I would think. for taxpayers yeah. uh, in, in organizing and, and keeping track of all this data throughout the year. You know, if, if, and, and that's really, you know, this time of year, we're in November, um, you know, a month and a half away from year end. Uh, you know, it's really important that you go and talk to your tax advisor this time of year. Because yeah. See what you're saying. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of things. Again. So I'm going to get a $25,000 deduction, whether I make donations or not. That's correct. Now, is there any concern that that kind of a, a blanket uh, um, uh, um, exemption is going to dampen donations to charitable organizations? There were, there were a lot of lobbyists that, that, you know, were against this kind of these kind of rules back when they were implemented uh, a couple of years ago, um, you know, and I, I guess eventually they they couldn't make that that difference. Uh, right. It came into law, but you know, for for a lot of people that were getting half this amount, you know, because for example, let's say you're married and you rent, you don't own a home. I can bet nine out of ten times you're most likely going to itemize. I'm sorry, you're going to take the standard deduction. Standard deduction, of course. Right, because you don't have mortgage interest, real estate taxes, which are the two big players in the itemized deductions field. Um, can, we, can we hold this right there and let us just take a brief pause here? We need to take a break. Keep your mind where you are. We're going to be right back. You've been listening to Of Consuming Interest. Um, I'm Shirley Rooker. You're listening to Of Consuming Interest right here in the Federal News Network. My guest is Bobby 
Batia. He is the managing director of Doyle, Schultz, and Batia, an accounting firm. And you were talking about the whether or not you itemize and the differences it made with the standard deduction. I'm sorry I had to interrupt you, Bobby. No, that's okay. So um, if you if you are a married filing joint couple and you rent, uh, in the past, you were only getting, let's say, a $12,000 standard deduction. Now, now that the rate, uh, the standard deduction amounts have gone up, a lot of people that were renting in the, you know, the people that currently rent have really benefited from this uh, increase in standard deduction. Aha. Uh -huh. Yes, because it used to be they were at a disadvantage if they didn't own and have a mortgage to pay interest on, they, they were not going to have a deduction. That's correct. Now, we, we get a lot of clients that come to us or, or prospects that come to us and say, gosh, you know, my, my last CPA was not able to save me money. What do I do? I mean, I'm just paying way too much in taxes. The first thing we do is we say, let's, let's have a look at your last tax filing. So your, your 2020 return. And I will tell you that for the most part, if, you, if you're married and you have a W-2 and you own a home, and that's really it. You, you fall under the kind of the boring tax return where there's not many rules out there that can really help you. You can mm -hmm. obviously contribute to retirement accounts, um, health savings accounts. You can donate to char charitable organizations. But really, when you own a business, small business, um, whether it's a Schedule C, sole proprietorship, or you know, an S corporation partnership, that's when your tax return gets really interesting. And there's a lot of maneuvering you can do with the tax law when you own a business. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's fascinating some of the, the things that you've been bringing up today. What is that? We've only got a couple of minutes left here. I can't believe the time's flown by, Bobby. What are some of the other tips that you might give consumers before the end of the year? Um, before the end of the year, I would say look at your pay stubs. Um, Call your payroll departments if you work for uh, a company, you know, you're an employee and you're receiving a W-2. Go see if you can maximize your 401k contribution, um, you know, in before the end of this year, uh, because you, you can't do anything after that. Um, after that, you can only put away money into a, a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Um, but that's, that's one big thing that people forget to do and you know, December 31st comes around and then they're, you no longer can put money away into your 401k. The limit for- Is that the 401k is going bye-bye? No, no, it's not going bye-bye. So in 2021, your, your maximum is going to be 19,500. Okay. Um, and most likely in 2022, which is just around the corner, it'll be most likely 20,500. Okay. It's not going bye-bye. It's just it's, do it now. Maximize the amount that you could put in so that you can get full uh, full credit for that. That's that's very very good advice. Okay, got a couple, one minute. Talk fast. Okay. Um, also, before the end of the year, HSA uh, health savings account. This is where you can contribute to a, a health plan and um, tax basically pre-tax dollars. So. Um, you, you put $1,000 into this and uh, you, you should get a credit card or, or some sort of debit card from the company that is administering the health savings account. You can go to the doctor, the dentist, um, and use 
this, these, the thousands Use that, of those dollars. That's great, great advice. And that's a great note to end on, Bobby. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's been very interesting. I actually have learned a lot from you today, Bobby. Thank you. My guest me. has been Bobby Batia. He's the managing director of Doyle, Schultz and Batia, an accounting firm. And you've been listening to Of Consuming Interest right here on the Federal News Network. I'm Shirley Rooker. You can reach me at Shirley at callforaction.org. That's Shirley at callforaction.org. Thank you very much for joining us. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.